Well, hey, Rick, it's great to see you virtually today. I hope things are great out there in Boston. And uh, I know we're going to be talking a bit about Locus and a little bit about Zebra and warehouse automation. But uh, I wanted to get started by just asking you, how did Locus start? How did it come to be? Well, it's great to be here. And thanks for, thanks for having us. So Locus was actually spun out of a company called Quiet Logistics. Quiet was a 3PL operating, or actually is a 3PL operating in the, um, uh, in the Boston area with a number of major clients. And Quiet differentiated the business by becoming one of the first customers that deployed Kiva back in 2009. And then, as you know, uh, Amazon Robotics, or Amazon acquired Kiva, and about a year after the acquisition took the product off the market. So the management team at the time, actually before my time, had a choice whether they wanted to, A, not use robots, B, buy a robot from someone, or C, build their own. And I think they made a, a really smart decision choosing path number three of building their own robot. They really went to stealth mode for about three years and, and, and built Locus, built the robot. And then we formally launched in... 2017. And I think the important part of that story is Locus is really rooted in um, 3PL DNA and warehouse DNA. And it makes a big difference as we go to market because we really understand the customer's problem. So that's the history. Okay, that's great. That's helpful. I'm glad you brought up Kiva because one of my other questions was there's all kinds of robots out there, a lot of automation, different sectors, different segments of bots, and it can get a little confusing for people. So there's a AMRs versus AGVs and goods to person versus person to goods. How would you categorize locus? So you're right, Tony. It is it is very confusing. Let me let me try to simplify it. AGVs are automated guided vehicles. They handle for the most part larger items, industrial use cases, that sort of thing, and they transport for very heavy materials. Typically, they run on a track too. There's something on the floor that actually guides them. AMRs, on the other hand, are stands for autonomous mobile robots, and that's exactly what they are. They have the capability to move in an environment. They're not fixed to one physical location, and they can navigate in this very uncontrolled, unstructured environment. Much harder to do than, than, than an AGV, uh, only because you're moving around in a very unstructured space. And then if you slice, slice AMRs a couple different ways, there's something called uh, goods to man, uh, Kiva, and Amazon Robotics is, an, is the best example of that. Um, it's 12-year-old technology. It's been around for a long time. Basically, there's a grid on the floor, and the robots follow that, that grid. But again, it's very dated technology. Per person to goods is the newest state-of-the-art AMR, totally autonomous, uh, much harder to do because you're in a, an unstructured environment, you're in a, a, a messy warehouse, if you will, and the robots navigate around in that unstructured environment. So uh, Locus is an example of an AMR, and the other big difference is uh, in a goods-demand solution like uh, Kiva or, or, or Amazon, you really have to go down to bare concrete to actually de deploy that solution, unlike Locus, where you can basically change the wings on the plane while it's flying. Uh, much easier to actually deploy. So, Rick, I'm sure several members of our audience are potentially, you know, in the early to mid stages of considering an, uh, an automation solution. For those audience members, can you give us a quick view on how a company might get started with automation, in particular, Locus Robotics? Sure. Let me talk about that. And then, and then let me first talk maybe about the ideal profile of a client. So, for the most part, 
the more complex the environment, the better. As an example, if an organization just had two or three SKUs, it's not really ripe for automation. Uh, they're better off doing, doing that by, by hand. An organization that has at least 500 SKUs, that really is ideal for what we do. And also, lots of volume. Uh, we like at least a million units a year. The more, the better. And a minimum of 25,000 feet. Um, again, locusts can scale up to uh, half a million feet, even larger. Um, and so the last thing we look at is the products have to be conveyable. So if something, if you were shipping uh, tires, for example, uh, on a robot, that's not an ideal use case. But for about 90% of, of e-commerce, uh, those each picks will fit on our robot. Uh, and again, ideally less than 80 pounds, and uh, it's got to have the form factor to um, fit. So uh, those are the general things that we look at when speaking with a client. And, and for that set of customers, what should they expect? What would be the expected impact on their business and their pick rates? Well, this is the thing that organizations are looking for, and it's what we sell as a company. It's all about ROI. Uh, it's all about productivity gains and solving the biggest problem they have today, which is labor, labor and labor management. How do I staff for the peaks? How do I staff for, for, for growth? How do I meet SLAs? It's, it's the biggest problem they have right now, and those are the types of benefits they can expect. One of the big things that uh, these organizations have to do today is hire a lot of labor, and they've got to train train that labor very quickly. So in any AMR solution, you want to be able to train very, very quickly. And the nice thing about our solution, um, and I'll exaggerate for a minute, training is measured in a matter of minutes. Um, and that's actually on the high side. We can actually train in the matter um, of generally less than a minute. It really is that easy. The other thing organizations are looking for today is they want to ship more goods from that same footprint. Uh, their business is growing, their, their SKUs are expanding, and they've got to be able to ship more goods from that same, same footprint. So the nice mm -hmm. thing about it, if productivity rates are higher, you can ship more out of that same, same facility. And the other thing is robots, as you know, as you well know, run 24 hours a day. We have a lot of sites where, where, where they do. And so the nice thing about it, you can run multiple shifts right now, and that's the other thing that they're looking at. And maybe the biggest thing, particularly going into this time of year, is how do they handle peaks? That's the biggest problem that most of these organizations have. How do mm -hmm. I meet SLAs? How do I ship the volume? How do I hire enough workers? And the nice thing about Loka is we have a program uh, that's called Seasonal Peak, where we will ship extra bots out to that site. If you're a client of ours, uh, if you need 20 extra bots, 50 extra bots, we'll ship them in for a month. And when you get them on site, it really is as simple as unboxing that robot, powering it on. When it's powered on, it finds the Wi-Fi automatically, download what's called the image map so it knows where it's at in that building. And typically within three minutes, it's operating. So that's the wow. other thing organizations are looking for is being able to handle peaks, a big, big part of the problem today. And we address that very, very nicely. Well, for somebody, so and that's a great point. Peak is coming up pretty soon. How long would it take to get started with a locus implementation? What would be a, a typical process there? It's funny, in this industry, sometimes it takes three to four weeks just to get a meeting to talk about something. <laughs> We actually deploy in three to four weeks. We've actually deployed in less than that. In some cases, it does take a little longer. But generally, because we can go into any, any environment, basically, any environment, 
and make next to no changes. We may have to install a little infrastructure here and there, that being guardrail. But for the most part, we make, make almost no changes in a building. Therefore, we can deploy very, very quickly. The long pole in the tent typically is the WMS integration, but that runs in parallel with the deployment. So uh, we have to do WMS integration. It's the way the solution works. So we'll start that process early and then do the deployment at the same time. And those will both come together at a point where the WMS integration is done, uh, the site, site's laid out, the design's done, and we'll deploy it. Uh, you know, in the building, again, we have to do very, very little. Uh, we have to install what's called locus points, which are basically ID codes on various racks. Uh, we will install a server on site. Uh, we'll install access points so we have, we have Wi-Fi. Once that's done, again, that's just a few weeks to do that. When that WMS integration's done, we'll take, we'll take um, uh, an order pool. We'll test typically for a day or two scale up very quickly and then go live. So the whole process, I know it sounds kind of hard to believe, but we've done a lot of sites in less than four weeks. Okay, well, hey, we're in September. So if you could get, get some people and help them uh, by October, November for peak season, it might be a great thing. I, I know one of the other things that makes Locus a little bit different than some of the other uh, automation companies is the business model. Can you explain a little bit about RAS and, and why you went in that direction and how it's helped help you guys to scale a little bit faster? Sure. We think the RAS model, RAS, RAS is robots as a service, um, is the only way to sell and deploy technology in this build business for several reasons. First of all, there's no upfront capital for the client. Um, there is a setup fee that will range anywhere between uh, 50, 75, could go up to $100,000, depending on the size of that facility. But that's the mm -hmm. only upfront cash. So apart from that, it's a monthly model where um, uh, the customer pays a monthly fee for that bot. It's like, it's like hiring, hiring a body, only obviously it's much, much less expensive. And for that, Locust does all the support. We do all the maintenance. We own that solution. RAS also includes all upgrades and all enhancements. We just introduced brand new functionality, replan, and that was all included. So if you're a Locust client and you're on the RAS model, which, which, which all of them are, uh, you get all those upgrades and all enhancements all included. And the other thing for clients, it also protects against technology obsolescence. Uh, we have contracts that uh, range anywhere between a year and three years, and um, uh, it, 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 it varies depending mm -hmm. on the client. But at the end of three years, if the technology advances to a point or battery tech advances to a point where you're better off with uh, a, new, a new solution, either with Locus, uh, a new version from us or someone else, you're protected against that because you don't own the asset. Uh, and it's a big deal. And and I think the last thing about RAS that, that, that really is important is we talked about peak bot availability. And the nice thing about the RAS model, there is a bit of a premium uh, for these robots that will go in for a month or two months. But you get that as part of the package. So if you're under the RAS model and you need, you know, we just had an email from a client this morning who needed 25 extra bots. They're in manufacturing right now and we'll ship them in about three days. Um, and wow. they have uh, peak that's start, starting early. So uh, the RAS model is terrific for, for our clients, and, uh, and that's why they've done it. And it's really easy for them to sell in their organization because they can go in and say there's no CapEx expense, there's no risk, and everything is operating savings, and they're going to see those operating savings in the matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. To see these benefits of uh, increases in UPH or LPH rates, it only takes a matter of weeks. 
We can when we optimize uh, some accounts that take it can take a little longer, uh, but it's a very short period. So they see these financial benefits, these operating benefits, very quickly because it's a RAS model. So for all those reasons, um, it's a great way to go. So so let me talk about that. You, you go in and you optimize a site and you get robots deployed in let's say four weeks. I know you talked about doing like checkups after three months and providing some advice because you see yourself more as a data and software solution company as opposed to a hardware robot company. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do in the like in the three month checkup with your customers? Yeah, I mean, a very important part of our process um, is we call EBRs, executive business reviews. A lot of companies, um, of course, do those. But it's a very structured process, Tony, how we look at at the data. And there are um, a, about 20 important data points that, that that fall out of our solution that we're monitoring every minute. Uh, we, we, mon- mm. uh, we, we look at mission time, for example. We obviously look at, at LPH and UPH rates. Um, we look at, at at how the bots are doing in terms of their UPH and LPH rates. We look at flow patterns through the building, and we have recommendations, again, that drive all that. In fact, we, we can look at, at um, the, the footsteps of your best worker and the footsteps <laughs> of your worst worker, and, they, and our accounts use this for training reasons when they go in and train and they say to worker A, had you gone in this direction versus this direction, you, you'd have been more efficient. Look what Harry does versus Sally. So um, so we have a very structured process. Uh, we do it every three months with accounts. Actually, when we first, first launch an account, um, we do it in two weeks and then 30 days and then six months after. And accounts love it because it all comes as recommendation. That's all part of the RAS service too. We include this, this service by our CS organization that does that. And um, our accounts love it. The, the other thing we do, a lot of these EBRs, uh, when we have uh, uh, multiple sites with a lot of our accounts, we'll bring all those accounts together for a day and share best practices of those accounts across, across all of them. Um, and we have a, okay. again, a very structured process how we do that where, um, you know, the account in Indianapolis, Indiana will share results of uh, the account in Paris, California and what they're doing. So all that's part of this structured process and how we look at it, because best practices are really important in how we, how we roll all this out. So you, you said a couple of things that caused me to think of a few other questions. I want to talk about the worker. So you talked about how fast you can train a worker on this, but you know, some workers are worried about being replaced by automation and replaced by bots. Can you talk a little bit about your kind of indoctrination process and what you've seen with your customers and how the, the workers adopt or adapt to uh, the automation in their facility? Yeah. It's a good question, and we occasionally get that from our clients uh, when we're going through the sales process. The reality is, after this is installed, the workers love it, and I'll explain why. But leading up to, to deployments, our uh, accounts do a number of things. For example, they'll have naming contests for the robots. They'll, they'll, they'll engage <laughs> It's get involved in actually naming them, and in many cases, the robots are actually named named after <laughs> named after some of the um, uh, humans or some of the management. Um, so that's thing one they do, and they'll also go through a process where they educate them why they're doing this. So the reality is, what they explain and what we deliver is a job that's easier, will make them more efficient, and make them more satisfied in what they do. The classic, the classic way picks are done in, in 98% of the warehouses out there today, almost all of them, 
is a worker pushes a cart, a baker's cart, through a building that could weigh up to three or 400 pounds. Obviously, it's on wheels, but they'll walk 12 to 15 miles a day, 12 to 15 miles a day. And with locusts, you're still going to walk, but you'll be down into the two to three miles a day. So uh, a big way we, 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 we increase efficiency is dramatically reduce the walk time. The other thing we do, which is um, which you know, the workers really, really value, is the robots speak the language of the associate based on your profile. So, for example, if you only speak Spanish or French or Chin or Japanese or Chinese uh, or um, pick your language, we have about 15 of them. When you walk up to that robot, you're actually wearing a tag, a Bluetooth tag, which is how we track your rates and also track who you are. So instantly when you walk up to that robot, our system will look up what your preferred language of choice is. If you only speak Spanish, everything you see on the screen, on the big iPad screen, will be in Spanish or Japanese. Mm -hmm. So culturally, the robots are very, very aware. The other thing it does, you know, this, you know, this job of working in a warehouse is a, a, a very hard thing. I mean, let's face it, it it's, it's a tough job and there's not a lot of feedback. Our robots give feedback with every pick, every pick. We tell you how you're doing. So you've got that Bluetooth tag on I mentioned. When you walk up, we'll display in the upper right-hand corner how you're doing against goal whether you're exceeding goal, whether you're below goal, will tell you how you're doing against others, where you rank, where you stack rank in real time in that building. And of course, management can see that a lot of our accounts have big dashboards, big locust jumbotrons displayed around the building with this data as well. So for the associate, we give you real-time feedback and how you're doing. The other thing mm -hmm. uh, is with, with the robots, it is a much safer job than it is with carts. Uh, uh, I, I won't mention the account name, but, uh, but we have an account where they have these big metal carts and they call them widow makers because uh, the associates put, put carts around buildings and they run into one another. And I don't think they've ever killed anyone, but they run into them. And uh, with, with the Townless Mobile Robots, we have a whole sensor suite where the robots avoid humans. Uh, so it's a much safer environment uh, as well. And also, it reduces mistakes. No one likes to make mistakes, so the associates like the robots because their error rates go down dramatically. There are, there's a lot of feedback. Uh, there's a feedback mechanism we have, we, we have built in. So for all those reasons, uh, we find workers really love this. Uh, there is some apprehension uh, going in, but once management does its job and educates them and we train, they're really excited about it. In fact, a lot of our accounts today are using the fact, and they're advertising that we have Locust Robotics in our building, and it's an easier job. I see you're passionate about Locust Robotics. I'm passionate about Locust Robotics. For the audience that's listening right now, what would be the best way for them to get started on potentially a project with Locust Robotics and improving the efficiency and productivity in their facility? You know, it's funny, Tony, because three years ago, what we heard, heard from clients when we met with them was I'm afraid to do this because I might lose my job if it doesn't work. And now it's just the opposite. Their fear is that they will lose their job if they don't do something and do something quickly. Um, so that's the big change in dynamic. So the question is how they, how they do it. It starts with an executive who has the vision, a timeline, and a budget to make this happen. And that's really important to have, to have almost C-level support in making this happen. Um, and it also starts with specific goals. Um, 
our accounts that do the best have specific goals. Here's where we're at today in terms of baseline. Could be UPH, LPH, could be a training baseline. And here's where we want to go. And as part of, of how we deal with clients, we set very specific targets and then measure those in those EBRs that I talked about. Most accounts, we suggest that you start, unless you're an existing account where you have, have experience, that you start with a section of a building. Uh, it's got to be big enough to prove out the concept, but start with a section of a building or a product line um, and test it for, could be two weeks, three weeks, just to prove everything works and that you're comfortable that um, the solution does work. And then from there, it's scaling. And the, the key thing we find here is the companies that do it this way, follow a structured process, have executive level support and budget, are building businesses that have competitive advantage as they go to market. And it's all about having that competitive advantage. Exactly. Well, that, that's, a that's a great answer. And, and, and I understand your point about de-risking the opportunity for these people. And the people that aren't automating are falling behind. They're going to have a tough time staying in the game. So I, I appreciate your time, Rick. This was fantastic. And I look forward to doing it again and seeing you sometime soon when uh, maybe when COVID uh, expires. Tony, maybe one last question if we, if we can sneak it in, because I'm always curious. Uh, and, and thank you for being an investor and, and backer of Locus. How did you first hear about Locus and why did you invest? Well, you said that you came out of stealth and I think it was 2017. Uh, one of the people in my CTO organization had said they had heard about your company. We really started investigating it a lot deeper in 2018 and finally made the investment in 2019. But uh, what we learned is we started talking to customers of yours and it was almost universal how they improved their pick rates, their efficiency, their productivity. Your customers are your best advertising mechanism, Rick. And um, that was what made me a believer. So I got to know him, got to know you a little bit back in uh, 20, 2017, 2018. And after a little more research made me feel much more comfortable in, and de-risking the investment, let's say, uh, by talking to your customers. So um, it's, it was a journey, but uh, we're really happy we're on the journey with you. Okay, well, thank you, Tony. Thanks.